My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Many lovers are off to the races, hurtling towards orgasm. They miss the excitement of sensual meanderings along the way. Alexandra Kataki's Mirror of Intimacy. Do you agree with this author? What do you think might happen if you slowed things down? Or are you all about the quickie, like a listener who wrote in for today feels? No matter how you like your sex and orgasms, I'm so glad you're listening. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and we are going to explore these groovy topics today and more, starting with a fantastic expert I'm so thrilled to welcome back to the show, Mona Darling. Thanks for being here, Mona. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well, and I'm so happy to be chatting with you again. I loved our first interview, and I just admire your your work so much. For anyone who isn't yet familiar with what you do and perhaps missed our earlier interview, would you just tell us a bit about your background and kind of what you do? Um, that is a long conversation, but briefly, I am a professional dominatrix who is transitioning into more of a woman life coach, a women's adventure coach is what I call myself, actually. Um, I like to help women find adventure in the bedroom as well as out with their children, as well as without their children, of course, um, and just encompass the woman's whole life because we are not to be put in little boxes where we're sexual beings when we're young and then we have kids and we're just mothers. Um, so most of my clients are, are mothers who are uh, trying to rediscover themselves. I um, I also I also offer um, retreats in Portland, Oregon, that are custom-made women's retreats. Sometimes couples, but often just women who are wanting to get out and drink and do some yoga and go to some strip clubs and go out to dinner and talk about sex and maybe go hiking and, you know, just a well-rounded women's vacation. They sound amazing. Yeah. I would totally love to go on one. They, they're so unique and adventurous is really such a great word for you and for your approach. And you <laughs> have always been very adventurous. And I have to ask you quickly about your story that you so wonderfully contributed to uh, my anthology, Embraceable, and you talked about uh, re-entering sex work after age 40, and you called it 40-something and frisky, and I thought it was such a beautifully vulnerable piece. You shared about you know some different insecurities that you were having and then some beautiful epiphanies that you had. Would you share kind of why you decided to write specifically about that and kind of, you know, the what you hope people will get from that story? I think I, um, I'm <laughs> sort of shallow in that way. I'm writing about that because it's something that I'm going through. Um, and I, it's something that I see a lot of women going through. And especially when I'm going back into sex work and I'm talking to my friends who are also, you know, in their 40s and still in sex work or 
have been in sex work or, you know, we're just talking a lot about um, body image. Uh, and especially when you're in sex work, uh, dominatrix is way less uh, body centric than maybe an escort or a stripper, um, than definitely an escort or a stripper. But there's still so much pressure to be put on what you look like, um, you know, how fit you are. And, um, but in the end, I think that I found that I put more of that pressure on myself um, than my clients did. I mean, there's clients, of course, that aren't going to see me because I'm 40 something. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're looking for the, the 20 sweet year old, you know, underwear model kind of girl. Um, but there were a lot of clients that they wanted me because of what I offered. They wanted my sense of humor. They wanted my sense of evil wit in the dungeon. They wanted, you know, the skills that I knew I have, the differences, um, between me and the other people. Um, they were focused on the me. Uh, so it was, it was actually very refreshing to get in there and also just to all of a sudden be back in with all these other women running around naked that are also in their forties. Yeah. You know, because we like change in front of each other and stuff and say, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's got that cellulite, ingrown hair here and there, little ripples and, you know, and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And yeah. I think more women need to see other women naked. Um, not in a sexual context, but just to understand that uh, yeah. the Photoshop bodies that we're inundated with all the time. Yes. Um, we're just never going to measure up. It's so true. And Especially it, when we're not 20. <laughs> exactly. And it's so interesting how, you know, when we do hear or see about a woman who is, you know, in a lot of magazines, she's usually a, a celebrity in the headlines or something like, she looks great, even at 45, or, or look at how sexy she is, oh my God, and at 50, and it shouldn't be, you know, I can't believe somebody looks good for their age, but just, can't we just all be humans and have bodies and and take that pressure off? And um, I think you're right, because we don't actually see, not only do we not see as many bodies of women you know, from middle age and beyond, because so many of the models are still quite young, but then the ones we do see are photoshopped. So that's that's really interesting. And I'm sure your clients appreciate your maturity. I know that in uh, some other countries, dominatrixes tend to be very mature, like a lot of them start their careers at 50. So do you think it's partly a kind of United States type of thing? Definitely a United States kind of thing. Um, I have a friend who's an American expat who worked as a dominatrix in Sweden. And she said that there, it was the opposite, that the younger dominatrixes would get some work, but the older, more mature, more experienced women were, were coveted. It's like, oh, I like that. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that. It's it's great that we're a minority in that way just because it tells you how much it is not actually true. Like, it's not true that women or people in general get less attractive with age. It's just what we've been taught and, you know, what is sexy and all of that. And I know that you also teach on so many wonderful topics. And one of the topics I would love to talk about today is orgasm control. Uh, hopefully people will all sign mm -hmm. up for your, your class. But I don't think a lot of people actually know what it is if they're not like, you know, sex geeks or into kinky stuff. And they might be wondering kind of what it is. So can you give us in a nutshell, what is orgasm control all about? Um, it is playing with relief. 
basically. Uh, most people, um, especially if you've been married for a long time, you get in there, kids are out of the way, get a couple minutes, get it done, you know, it's routine. Even when you play around and you have more time, more routine. So once you introduce something like orgasm control, um, and this can be chastity or just tease and denial, um, it can be assigning the other person to do certain things, um, only come on a certain day, uh, only masturbate a certain way, um, put on a little show for me and send me a picture. Um, these are things that are part of nearly every single session that I did with my clients. There was some aspect of orgasm. Some of it was very, you know, extreme. They'd be locked into a chastity device. Um, for men, there's these great little chastity devices that wrap around the balls and the cock and everything is like held in place and you can't get an erection without a little bit of pain and stretching. Uh, it's a little more difficult with women because, of course, if you put something tight up against a woman and lock her in it, she's, you know, you can just rub one out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You might just use that little belt. Um, <laughs> but what I find is when I'm looking at the classes that are being offered, there's so many classes in kink. Uh, there's so many classes about, you know, anal play and strap on and spanking and bondage, but there's none about orgasm control um, and teasing the Nile. Um, and I think that that is such a fun little sort of intro to BDSM. Mm, yeah. Because you get to know your partner. You get to know what turns them on. You get to know how to push them to the very brink and then back off, stop, maybe start again. Um and then there's all kinds of little games that you can incorporate. Um, rolling dice and somebody gets to, you know, they have to brink that many times. Brinking is bringing yourself to the edge of orgasm and then stopping. And so like having your partner roll the dice and then they have to brink that many times. And like every day they have to do that. And then, you know, like while they're on a business trip and then when they come home, they have all that pent up sexual energy. It's so fun to play with. I bet. So it's all about anticipation, which is really some of the sexiest stuff, right? Like the more anticipation there is, the more pleasure we tend to get. And you also mentioned that it's great for couples who travel a lot or if one person's away a lot. So what are some examples that people can do from a distance? Um, well, the, the dice game is a, is a lot of fun. Uh, assigning people... Um, if you use two dice, I'm horrible on podcasts. I'm just not a, a talker. I'm a writer, so I can go back and edit it. So oh, I, no, I think you're great. What are you following great. along here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're great. You're, um, you're definitely doing so, awesome. Keep it up. So one die, you can have them roll, and there's that many breaks. Um, some people, if more advanced, get a 20-sided die. Um, 20 breaks in one day can, you know, be quite exciting (laughs) you're not allowed to release at the end Um, then you can have another die that has maybe six sides on it and each number correlates with an activity a story 
um, maybe like if you get a three, you don't have to, you, you have to double the other number. If you get a two, you have to do it with a butt plug in. Um, if you get a one, you have to, you, you, you know, have to stroke for a certain amount of time, but you can't actually touch your genitals. Um, so you can add little aspects of that tease and denial. Um, but a lot of it has to do with just ramping up and not releasing. Okay. I, I love permission. that. Yeah, that's so interesting. So it's permission and controlling each other's orgasms and then also obviously, well, controlling each other's, but then controlling your own, which is so interesting because I know you can do this with solo play too. And as you were talking, it reminded me of this uh, vibrator that I have uh, that is like a spaceship. It's like one of those um, medical, uh, it has all these extra therapeutic benefits and it has all these different programs. And it was one of the first kind of high tech, super high tech sex toys I tried. And I actually found it really frustrating that because it, it does that. It like, the main program, it's trying to, it puts off orgasm. So it brings you close and takes you back and brings you close and takes you back. And you're supposed to resist. And I found it really frustrating. And I don't know if that's because I hadn't done that before. Or, you know, is that something that people experience when they first try this? Like, can it be frustrating? And if it if it is, then how do we make it more fun? Um, sometimes, it is frustrating, most definitely. Um, and sometimes the frustration is part of the fun. Um, some people actually enjoy that sense of frustration because they know that the game is on. Ah. Okay. And that frustration means that, you know, it's not there yet. They're not, you know, it, it's the game is going to continue. So they can be frustrated. Sometimes get a little angry, a little cranky, but then they, most of the time, it's just a brief little, you know, a vast majority of the time, and people are very excited to keep the game going. And um, then the pleasure is so intense after. Like, for me, the payoff was so amazing, and I think that probably made it easier the next time because I realized that... It wasn't just like, it's not just about the um, stopping and starting. Like, I was a little bit perplexed by it. But then when you realize, I felt arousal much more spread through my body. Is that kind of one of the um, goals? Or how does how does this affect the actual <laughs> orgasmic pleasure? That's definitely one of the goals. Okay. Um, it's the more full body, intense orgasm. Um, that can be partly because, um, you know, the the mental release of finally being able to have it, the physical release of finally, like, letting your body go. But also there can be, like, if you have a submissive side, it, it can be incredibly um, arousing to have been given permission mm. to, to feel like you have worked to please your partner and that they are granting you permission to have an orgasm after working hard for it, um, it can be incredibly fun. There's other aspects, though, that uh, go along. It's just not that. It's, you know, say your partner has been gone. They've been doing this, you know, they've been gone for a week and they've been doing these dice roll and all this masturbation. And maybe you've had some phone talk and some sexy pictures, text back and forth, and then they get back. And they're going to be like, Jones and to go. 
And that's when real games start. <laughs> oh, tell me more. Um, because that's when you can start playing the games of, okay, now you have to stroke, and they want you to get close, and then I'm going to tease you, but I don't want you to come. And especially when you're so wound up and you're just, like, so ready, like, that amount of teasing, like, the slightest touches become so much more erotic. Um, it's, it's just, it's very intense to, you know, after all of that, like just be told not to and just be continually teased and touched and caressed and have to hold off more. Um, so there's, there's also that like forced masturbation, forced stimulation, Mm -hmm. um, where you're told not to. On the other hand, you can also do something where it's forced and you're forced to repeatedly. Um, this works more on women, some men, um, where there's, you continue the stimulation after they come. And some women can be stimulated again to orgasm. And um, some men, most men have a refractory period that they need to go through. Um, but some men have a different kind of like their cock is not hard um, but they're still sexually there Mm. Um, and it's like it's that frustration of like not being able to come when you're doing the teasing denial but now you can't physically Mm. so it's that frustration on the the flip side that is so interesting Um, I could see that um, well there's so many See, it's a huge topic, and and people, like, I just, I never see people talking about it. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot more conversation about, like, exactly, about, um, you know, for example, how to have a better orgasm, but they won't necessarily talk about anticipation. It's They, they focus so much on orgasm as a, you know, a, a finish line, but also, like, a, a, a goal that you want to get to quickly. And I think it's really mm-hmm. amazing. to, And it also builds up. It makes this whole – every part of it is so intense that it's, you know, I like to say foreplay is kind of a lifestyle. Like, you can have this happen throughout a day or a week or weeks while somebody's away. And I think that's amazing. And for somebody who's brand new to this and they want to bring it to their partner and say, let's try this, how do you decide uh, who has what role? Like, for each – each time, should you kind of take turns, would you say, being in control? I'm sure it varies with a couple. But if somebody's not ever done anything where it's like, I'm going to be the submissive one, for example, um, what what's a good way to start? Um, a good way to start is actually, I mean, if they're both curious about, you know, sometimes people are more inclined to be the teaser or the TV. Um, I personally am not a good teasing denial bottom. Um, I was one of those women that had a really hard time learning how to orgasm. Um, so teasing denial is just not my thing at the bottom. Um, women who have an easier time orgasming and have never had a hard time, you know, might love being a teasing denial bottom. Um, so it's, it's, you know, discuss amongst yourselves who's going to be the top, who's going to be the bottom. If you both want to try. And then I would suggest doing something like watching porn together and, um, like first only being allowed to touch yourself, watching the porn. You can talk to each other. You can look at each other, but you can't come. Mm. 
and you can't touch the other person. Set a time limit or a movie limit. <laughs> um, and then do that a couple of times. And then maybe the next night, you know, there's good times. If you have kids and like you get one night to do something like this, you're going to just, you know, do that for an hour and then have at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. You know, real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <you> just... <laughs> that whole real life thing, you know, sometimes it seems like that's kind of missed in <laughs> No. Oh, wait, but you're a human. Um, it's kind of like the magazines in Photoshop, right? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, sometimes if you have a couple of nights, like, do it again the next night. And then, the, like, the third night, add in, you can touch each other, but not each other's genitals. And then, you know, and still no release. Um, and maybe play some uh, dice games or, you know, some other... Uh, little games, um, you know, you can incorporate card games and you can incorporate, you know, a game of war and the person who wins gets to do something to the other person. Like, you know, there's so many creative, fun ways to use what you have on hand. Um, and that's the other thing I like about teasing denial is like it is using what's on hand instead of having to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on leather or equipment or anything. Um, so you use which on hand, <laughs> pun there, <laughs> and, you, and you get to know your partner because when you have to spend like a half an hour with your partner watching them masturbate, you learn where they touch themselves and how they touch themselves, you know, and yeah. you learn that same thing about yourself. Yeah, so I love you that. You have to spend 30 minutes touching yourself and pleasuring yourself, but you can't touch your, you know, usual go-to zone. You're going to find other places on your body that are incredible that you've just never taken the time to explore. Mm, I love that. Really beautifully said. I could see that being a really amazing experience and having, you know, benefits that you aren't even expecting. That's pretty awesome. I have to ask you because uh, later in the show, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Megan on a question from a listener. And she asked about quickies and her, she's with a guy and he loves to have uh, prolonged sex and take their time and slow arousal. And she is all about the quickie and gets really, she feels very impatient. Um, and she wants to kind of both come quickly. And she said she could do that, you know, every day even. And it, it's caused her some frustration. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on, um, first of all, that. So what if, um, one partner is has much more a, a a fast style. Do you think that first that this orgasm control might be something that could be um, helpful for them, or do you think it's you know something that maybe they need to kind of uh, take turns, like a quickie and then a, a longie? I don't know what you call the <laughs> the slow version, um, but I would just love to hear your thoughts. No, that's definitely definitely a time for some kind of kind of orgasm denial because you know if she just wants to do a quickie she can send him in and say I'll be in you know sometime in the next hour I'm not going to tell you when but you better be on the bed you better be naked and you better be hard (laughs) I love it so he gets to spend an hour doing his thing with the awesome anticipation that she's going to come in Mm. and then if you know, they can take it further and she can, you know, if she really wants to take it further, she can 
wait until the end and tell him he can't come. He has to try it again tomorrow. I um, love that. There's just something very, very powerful about a woman orgasming and then telling a man he can't. Ooh, yeah. Because we are in such a patriarchal society that, you know, even amongst orgasms. <laughs> so true. The patriarchal <laughs> orgasm. We should, you know, we should write a book together. The patriarchal orgasm. <laughs> there we go. And <laughs> um, So, and then, you know, if she, if, it could be that he just really likes, you know, to, to spend a lot of time touching her body, in which case they're going to have to negotiate that because that can be very invasive for the person who wants, who doesn't want to be touched for an hour. <laughs> um, but it also just could be that he just wants to, you know, maybe that would be the perfect game for him, um, you know, to be able to, to have all that time to stroke and, fantasize and touch himself. Um, she can also, one thing we haven't talked about is a ruined orgasm because that's the third option there. It's not always just do you let them come, do you not let them come, but um, there's always the option of the ruined orgasm, which especially with men, once again, I'm not good with female submissive orgasm control because of my past. Um, but especially with men, if you get them to the point and then they don't know if they're going to come or not come, that's like, you know, binary. Maybe so, maybe no. But if you ruin their orgasm, like wait until they get to that point where it's too late to stop and then stop all stimulation. Wow. Um, then their body is done, but their mind is not. Wow. Yeah. That could be so intense. That, so that same, you know, intense drive is still there Mm. they just have to wait (laughs) would they just come in midair like if if you're so close that you can't stop it so their body is like (gasps) yeah i've actually experienced that not on purpose but um that is a crazy (laughs) crazy feeling man um wow i didn't know it had a name i've had a ruined orgasm (laughs) yeah wow no and then i mean and then on top of it, you can add bondage into it, tie somebody up, and then they've totally lost control whether or not they're going to come or not. Wow. Or have a ruined orgasm or, yeah. You know. So. So many options. Yay. Yeah. So options. So great. <laughs> I would love to hear uh, how you blend the adventurousness, you know, with um, the sex advice that you give, obviously, all of this has been very adventurous. Is there some kind of main topic or advice that you tend to bring up a lot when people just want to really up the ante in their sex life? Like, what's one big, you know, thing that they could do, or even a small thing that would just have a big impact? Um, I would say if they're interested in exploring kink, then probably sign up for my newsletter, shameless plug, um, because as a reward, mistress likes getting rewards, mm-hmm. um, you get a, a seven-page copy of the um, application, a version of the application that I give my clients before I see them. It's an application that goes through and asks you, you know, you, for my clients, they have to list any kind of health issues, any kind of past experiences, any kind of interest, 
things that you've tried and not liked, things you would like to try but you're not sure. Um, and it's just a huge laundry list of things. Um, and that can be fun to, to print out and do together with your partner and a glass of wine usually helps. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, to split up and do them apart and then read them to each other. What a great idea. Because that can open up a lot of uh, interesting little, you know, I, I had no idea that you were interested in that. Wow. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and then also I, I always encourage people to sign up for classes at the local sex shop. If they don't have one, Kink Academy is a great place online. You can sign up for classes and just, you know, just like the community college, you're going to peruse what art stuff is available. If you want to take an art class, peruse what sex stuff is available. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I know you coach people on, it's very holistic. It's not, it's, there's kink and there's sex, but you also really encourage uh, women, especially to cultivate adventure in their lives. What's a, beyond sex, what's another um, top tip that you have if you want to up the whole adventure ante in your in your life? Oh, for women, it, it's women have so many um, micro obligations, especially when they're parents. They have these micro obligations. They need to know how much toilet paper it is uh, in the closet. They need to know how much clean laundry is ready to be folded and who's got clean socks and how much bread is in the bread is in the kitchen they they just they have so many things that they need that they're obligated to to know at all times and they don't even think about the fact that every one of these little micro obligations leads to women's exhaustion um and then you have kids that you know want things and husbands that want things and jobs and everything and then you're exhausted so women end up saying no to so many things because they're exhausted you know, they're just like, sure, I'd love to go out tonight, but uh, pajamas, wine, and Netflix is calling my name. Can't do it. <laughs> um, but if once in a while you step back and go, okay, somebody's just invited me to go do something, what's the harm? Go. Um, step out. You know, and that's the other thing is like adventure isn't always like jumping out of planes. Adventure is stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping out of what you do every day. And it's something like taking off and going for a hike with your friends in some place you've never been. That's an adventure. Unfortunately, at our age, it's a great adventure. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually love, I love hiking now. And that to me is a great adventure. And I think it's so interesting how, mm-hmm. you know, novelty and Taking those adventures, and like you said, doesn't have to be this big, grandiose gesture, but even saying yes to, to going out for a drink or a coffee when normally you always say no so you can, you know, go to bed early or whatever it is, um, really does seem to change that brain chemistry. And we get those those beautiful dopamine rushes. And, and there's also this connection mm-hmm. with other women. And I know you really <sighs> nurture that. Yeah. The other thing is, so it's not just to your friends, your kids. How often do you pick up your kids and they're like, oh, I want to go to the arcade. And you're like, I would rather shoot myself in the eye with a fork. <laughs> um, 
you know, just to spend a minute on their level. Like, you know, yeah, you have laundry to do and groceries and an early day at work the next day and stuff. But, like, just to take 45 minutes out of your day and go with your kid to do something that they want to do, that, something that you totally, totally, totally don't want to do. Even. And I like what you said about going and to their level because, like, actually playing would be pretty yeah. fun. And that's what it is. I mean, and sometimes, like, right now, Pokemon Go, go for a walk with your kids. Like, watch them on the things. It's adorable. I mean, you walk all these places you would never normally go. Um, it's a great time to just talk and, and bond and be there for each other. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that. Tell us a little bit about your more about your retreats, um, because it sounds like a, a beautiful way to to cultivate adventure and um, with with a few friends or or whoever you choose. Tell us kind of what happens if someone were to sign up. Um, so the retreats I offer um, basically start at four hours. So. If you want to just have like a little dip into the retreat, you and your friends come to Portland. I'll give you a bunch of things to do. But for four of those hours, I am going to take you around town and I am going to show you. Um, going to take you to strip clubs. Uh, Portland has amazing women-friendly strip clubs. Um, sex toy shopping. Take you out to great food trucks and drinks and just explore all of the underbelly of Portland. Um, and sometimes I work with couples. There's a porn theater that's really fun, a little dark and dingy, and but it's still fun to go in and see what all of these men do when they're out. <laughs> it's just funny to watch them. Um, but there's a, a couple porn that something. you can go to um, and hang out in the middle of it. So it can go to that extreme. Uh, there's a swingers areas, um, a couple of different swingers places that I've taken people to. Um, dungeon tour or lots of hiking and shopping and uh, cocktail imbibing. Um, there's an amazing cocktail culture here. Mm, fun. So it can be a really awesome retreat uh, I, I talk with the person who's organizing it we talk about what kind of feeling they want to have when they're here they're going to go over the top or they're going to get you know they want to hit all the strip clubs or do they just like maybe want to go sex toy shopping but like more food drink more bonding time with their friends um, so we figure out what the goal of the vacation is the retreat and then we set up a trillio board so that we can add things and I can add restaurants and different clubs and different places that they can go. There's amazing hiking up here. Um, so we just sort of design their dream weekend. Awesome. I love it. How much fun. I hope everybody who's listening uh, takes note and follows your work so that they can try a retreat or just stay in touch with you, you and your newsletter and all the wonderful information you put out, would you remind everybody where they can find you? My website is vivayourrevolution.com. Um, and yeah, I, 
Retreats also, just thing I forgot to mention, big thing here. Um, <laughs> Jim, horrible at podcasting. Um, the big thing here is uh, that I also can take you to the dungeon and do um, classes. Oh. So if you and your girlfriends want to learn how to do strap on play or bondage or something, that, that could be a part of our time together. Awesome. How exciting. How exciting. Well, I will share the link to your site as well in the follow-up blog. And I hope everybody checks it all out. Thank you so much. You are a wonderful podcast guest, and I admire you so much. Thank you <laughs> so much for being here, Mona. You're amazing. Thank you. If anybody has any questions, stop by, say hi, drop me an email. I love to uh, to answer people's questions. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Mona. She's amazing. Check her story out in Embraceable, which you can find on Amazon. Head over to her website, sign up for her newsletter. And if you go on one of her retreats, I would love to hear how that goes. It sounds so exciting. She's so much fun to talk to. So here's that question I mentioned from a listener. Here's what she actually wrote, which I think is such an important topic and I think we can all learn from. So thank you, Jillian, for writing this. I love quickies. I'd happily have them daily. My boyfriend prefers to take his time so much so that I end up feeling bored and impatient after I come. I know this is probably opposite for many couples, but I'm not sure what to do. The one time I asked if we could go faster, he did not take it well, so I haven't brought it up again. Lately, I have been avoiding sex because I know it will take a long time. Jillian. Thank you, Jillian, for your question. Here is what Dr. Megan had to say. Jillian, I love your question in part because, um, you know, I think so often we have stereotypes about um, men and women and, you know, what their sexuality is and the kinds of sex that we enjoy. And so, you know, sort of like you, I too am a big fan of a quickie. Um, and I think, again, it is sort of our cultural belief and idea that, you know, men are the ones who um, really enjoy sort of quick sex while it's often their female partner that is looking for sort of the slowness and the connection, the intimacy, building up the time to even get aroused. Um, so, you know, I totally feel the conundrum um, and the fact that, you know, when it comes to differences, whether it's differences in libido or sexual preferences, it's all about how we bring it up. Because, you know, unfortunately, we often are uh, sensitive and, and feel a, um, again, a sense of not being good enough or sort of a rejection sensitivity when if we're getting feedback that, you know, we hear sort of the critique versus what's really under not underneath it, which is really the wish and the longing. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I'm just curious about is, you know, when he takes his time, it's, you know, again, it's not clear to me if, you know, what is it? And maybe this is the conversation to have. Tell me more. What is it about slower sex that really turns you on or is more pleasurable, um, sort of from his perspective? Because, you know, maybe when, if you hear what that experience is like for him, that might help you in the moment, um, center your mind and attention to the parts of the experience that are sort of his turn on. Um, because even once you've had your first orgasm, I mean, the wonderful part about being a woman is we have the capacity for multiple orgasms. So it's kind of unclear to me that, you know, even after you've had your first orgasm, that you end up feeling bored and impatient versus anticipating sort of the next one or the one after that. Um, so what is it about the sensation, the stimulation, where your mind is that 
somehow isn't sexy because again, the biggest sex organ is our mind. Um, and the other thing I would say here also is, you know, I guess it's not clear to me whether, you know, he's sort of interested in sort of this like slow movement, slow sex, um, that, you know, sort of some people really enjoy or whether or not he might just need that much additional time and stimulation to reach orgasm because some men do have delayed ejaculation and that might be to medication and it might be to what we often refer to as an idiosyncratic masturbation style, meaning if on his own, he's using typically, we call it, you know, the Fs of friction, focusing on the frenulum and uh, sort of the faster the speed, that when and if he's using a level of sensation that it would be hard for your vagina to duplicate, that in and of itself may be the reason why it takes him longer to orgasm. So I guess there's a part of me that wonders, is it a preference because he finds that more sensation, more intimate, uh, more arousing? Or is it maybe in part because it, he feels like he needs essentially that longer duration um, to reach orgasm? You know, because it's in my experience when if you really feel your partner present um, and really the give and take of giving and receiving pleasure, that's something that you both can get your head in the game sort of for a longer time. And to your point, you know, it's all about the variety, you know, Sometimes you have the quickie and sometimes you spice it up by slowing it down. So I think from your question, you know, a few things. One is definitely have a conversation to understand, you know, really what is it about um, the level of intimacy connection, the slow down that makes it a hotter experience for him? Um, you know, is he able to, it sounds like he can, uh, orgasm in, in a quickie, in which case that sort of rules out you know, my other sort of theory or hypothesis that he just might need more stimulation to reach orgasm. And then ultimately, it's about, again, for both of you expressing what you wish for, long for, want, desire in a way that makes it feel appetizing um, for each of you to take time sort of indulging in the kind of sex that you both respectively enjoy, even when and if ultimately those preferences might be different. So again, I think the conversation is the place to start. And as always, let us know how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Such wonderful advice. I always learn so much from you. Everybody check her out at greatlifegreatsex.com. Dr. Megan also added that if you end up feeling stuck after trying some of these things, Jillian, or, or anybody out there, it could be very helpful to work with a qualified um, sex therapist who can help you go deeper, no pun intended, but maybe we should celebrate that pun, uh, you know, and give you recommendations and take into account kind of your personal history and your relationship history. Because as Dr. Megan mentioned, there can be many different factors that um, affect our concerns and our desires and all of that. But I loved what she said about conversations and uh, you know the variety. And if you do want to work with a qualified. Uh, sex therapist, one way to find one is to go over to asect.org. That's A-S-S-E-C-T, American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, which has an awesome searchable directory. If anybody else has a question for Dr. Megan, for me, for one of our guests, please reach out to me. You can find me on social media. I'm very easy to to find there or through my website, augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org, where you can sign up for occasional email updates updates, find show extras, and a whole lot more. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and consider leaving us a simple review while you're there. They really help us keep the things hot and spicy and flowing over here. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.